What's going on, everybody? This is Alex Suns here with the Plainside Podcast, and my good pals, Cam Jordan. Cam, what's up? Hey, what's up, man? And Zach, what it is? What it do, baby? Oh, man. Good to be alive. It's good. Kawhi it's Leonard, good. is that you? Man. Yeah, we it's actually got really... Kawhi on this episode. Kawhi, you want to say hello again? What it do, baby? That's actually all he knows how to say. <laughs> Shout it. I'm a fun guy. I'm a, I'm a real fun guy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's all he's got. Oh, man. Uh, thank so, you, Kawhi, for your participation. You can now leave. Yeah, he's going to hop off the call now. Okay, here anyway, yeah, good to see you guys. Three again. Yeah, we're back. So here at the Playtime Podcast, our whole goal is to take your normal, everyday thing, the movies you watch, the TV shows you binge, the music you listen to, and use it to bring your relationship with Christ just a little closer. And I think we're going to be able to do that today, especially while we dive into the man crush of my life, John Mayer, and his songs, Belief and Waiting on the World to Change. Guys, are we ready? I sure I hope think we've so. been ready. Otherwise, we but should I, we stop can... recording. Cool. Well, guys, that was the podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, we actually decided we're not ready. We're going to come back and try this again another day. <laughs> but we're going to release this anyway for you to listen to just for fun. Yeah, just so you know we tried. Honestly, it's really hard to get people to commit to listening to a 50-minute podcast. If we told them, like, hey, this one's this two one's and a half quick. minutes. Yeah, <laughs> this is a little two and a half one. minutes. Give It'd it a shot. So See it. if you like it. Um, if wow, you want us, so, us doing our Kawhi interpretation, yeah, I was say, all they get bye. is a Kawhi and and us not talking about John Mayer. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know about you guys, but Waiting on the World to Change it was a huge hit um, all over the radio. And even though it's not like at this point his biggest song from this album, when the album released, that definitely was. Um, oh yeah. Gravity and Slow Dancing have had this really slow buildup of just being fantastic pieces of art, whereas this song was like that lead single that just explodes, um, and everybody knew it, and it's just this really, really recognizable piece of art. So for me, this was really the song that pulled me into this album. Um, And so we'll talk about what we think about the song later, but it... I almost have to thank the song for doing me such a solid and bringing John Mayer into my life. What about you guys? Yeah, that's that's good. I really dig that. Um, I know we've talked about this before. Um, you know, senior year choir getting to sing this song. Um, oh and my singing gosh. at graduation. Uh, Colster, you're big ups always to Alex allowed. You're always allowed on a John Mayer pod. Oh, anytime we could get Alex on here, we should. Except two Alexes. I just realized that there's a problem there. Um, Alex Squared, baby. <laughs> uh, doesn't doesn't he have a nickname? Does he? Is he supposed to? From the, oh yeah, the Jeff Jet? is real. <laughs> oh right, that is still his name on my phone. We will not say that on this podcast because it's a family show. Thank you. <laughs> no, but uh, that like freshman year really started. Um, you know, my journey with John Mayer, that's a really, that's a horrible thing to say, my journey with John Mayer, but I was going to transition no, that into... It's exactly what it is. <laughs> like, my my journey with music in general and, and wanting to play the guitar and kind of looking at being a musician as well as an actor, that kind of thing. Um, this song is what put me on that road, I think. Yeah, I think for me... Like this is the solo in this song is like the first thing I learned how to play on guitar where I was like, look, I can play a cool thing. <laughs> and I was, I'm, I thought I was just, it was the coolest thing ever. I'm 12 years old. I learned how to play some awful version of this solo. And it, ever since then it was like, Oh, let's dive deeper. And I still don't know how to play anything else, but it's been a long road. <laughs> that's um, the only thing you can play. That's it. That's it. People think I play a lot of songs. I really just play that at different tempos and keys. <laughs> <laughs> Doing a really good job of tricking them. Cam, can you talk about Belief for us? Yeah, Belief has, has been one of my favorites for, for quite a while. I think I was just drawn in uh, to... Well, I, I and Alex, we disagree on this. I love yeah. the guitar piece on this. I, I think the solos are amazing. 
the riff is just too four on the floor for it to be John Mayer. What, just the bum bum, like that part? Yeah, it's just too forward. It's too drivey, See, which I, I, mean, I love, but it's just I love just how not... simple it is. And I, I love the bass. I, I, I love it. <laughs> you want to save this conversation for hot takes because it feels like you guys have opinions. Well, no, we just, I, we've had this conversation. Trust me, it'll come. Yeah, <laughs> we'll I get think... there. I don't know. I think, well, and one thing that, that really I've talked about on our, on our Continuum pod is what made me fall in love with Belief is actually the guitar solo on Where the Light Is Live. Yeah, it's amazing. Because the way he that, opens it. The, well, I, I think even in the, the middle, you've, in the kind of in the bridge, yeah. you've got where him and David Ryan Harris are kind of doing mm-hmm. the, like the guitar fight almost. I mean, that is, that is gorgeous. And so. I, I fell in love with it there, and then I really kind of dove into to the words and, and what he was saying, and I'll talk about that more in the theme, but um, no, it's it's one of my favorites, and always has been. I think I think musically, if you want to say it, it's not the same as something like Slow Dancing or, or some mm-hmm. of his you know, more intricate pieces, that I understand, but I think, I think lyrically, because what, what you get with, with Mayer is every, every album, there seems to be one kind of pop song. He doesn't really yeah. fit a, a genre, but I think you know you get the the no such thing, the your body is a wonderland, um, the the songs that are kind of poppy that you know when you look at you know we're all in a number of John Mayer fan groups on Facebook, people share. <laughs> That's the, ridiculous. The, yeah, because it's true. It is. Yeah, we're, <laughs> I, I know I'm in three, and in all yeah. of them, every once in a while they'll they'll share this this video of like you know the top twenty John Mayer songs of all time, and they're always. No, number one is always waiting on the world to change. Like, it's always the, the poppy songs. You know, those are the ones that, that he got really famous for. And yeah. then once you dive deeper, you get the songs like Belief and, mm-hmm. and Slow Dancing and Stop This Train and, and things like that. So I think for me, Waiting on the World to Change was kind of the intro to what Belief turned out to be. Mm, that's good. That's really I like good. That. Um, when you guys hear this song... Give me a moment, give me a memory, give me an emotion, give me a color, give me anything. Where does this song take you when you hear it? What's the first thing you think of? Uh, if we talk about waiting, it's very vividly standing outside in the rain oh um, and trying our hardest to sing at graduation. That's really easy because that was so... It was. It was... Like, just something that you instantly knew was going to be a permanently created memory because yeah. of how just nonsensical the whole situation was. Man, <laughs> and trying gets... to sing into a speech, speech jammer of a sound My system gosh. and just getting <laughs> rained on and we're just trying our best to sing John Mayer. Oh, boy. But it wasn't sexy at all. Not it was, even. like, this cold, like, gross rain. No, because it wasn't, like, enough rain that they... It was enough rain that they let us still be outside. So it wasn't yeah, enough for it to ugh. be dramatic. It was just, it was just irritating. Yeah, and wet. I think when I hear "Waiting on the World to Change," the first thing that pops into my head is sitting on the end of my bed, playing dumbed down versions of power chords, like not just power chords, but dumbed down versions of power chords, <laughs> getting that doom, 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 and just thinking I was the coolest thing because i could play the chords and i could play the solo and i could play a john mayer song and it was just like this moment <laughs> where i'm playing this fender Starcaster, right it's the not a Stratocaster. all right and i've always been convinced in my heart that that's not a Starcaster body that they just put a Starcaster neck on it because those pickups sound amazing but that's a story for another time <laughs> but playing this Fender Starcaster into this trashy little amp in the basement of the house I grew up in. And it's just so vivid to me, those moments. And that's what this song means to me. Like, even if the song isn't as rich to me as other John Mayer songs, what it meant for me as a musician and my introduction to him, that's the first thing I think of. Well, that's actually really similar for me. I mean, I this is one of the first songs I ever tried to learn on the drums. I mean, it has yes. such an iconic, like, drum beat behind it. Dude, come on, same. And so, um, I'm, I remember sitting down thinking, like, oh, I can play this. And I tried, and I was like, oh, I can't play this. But, I mean, also, I was, like, 12, <laughs> so, like, 
Yeah. It's it's fine, but I got it eventually. But no, I, I remember just sitting back there for hours, just listening to that like intro drum beat and trying to get it perfectly, and then playing through, and and just understanding like the the intricacies that that come with how musical he was, and 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 how Steve, Steve Jordan, Jordan was. My like Steve gosh. Jordan is to this um, day top one of my top two drums. It's him and Questlove are yeah. are my my two. And I just the thing is when you Steve Jordan and he needs to get some play in these because he wasn't just the guy that played drums. Steve Jordan actually produced this entire album. Yeah. And so he's so musically he's just this juggernaut of a guy. Like most people don't know the word Steve Jordan, but like for just a little reference, if you don't know him, he was David Letterman's first drummer. Um, he has played drums for countless different groups. He's um, played drums for the, so many albums. So many great albums. And this is obviously right up there. And the, one of the reasons this album is so good is not just John Mayer's brilliance, but Steve Jordan and that relationship they had to take their musical genius and mold them together as one. It's just amazing. You just can't beat it. Right. You want me well, to throw I, you a, 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 a mini big idea that we can yeah. that you just uh put into my brain um as much as as much as we love john mayer he couldn't do this all on his own you know it takes oh, a steve wow. jordan it takes other people producing it takes more oh, band man. members it takes backup vocalists and as the body of christ we are required to work together with other members of the body of christ that's a bonus okay. one for free that's okay for free. wow wow that please was remember you're not actually you're not paying for the other ones either um but that's true but that's no, a little that's surprise one that just came to me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one. brought that's... to you by um, our sponsor today, LaCroix. Because I'm drinking one right now. Thank LaCroix. you, LaCroix. Man, I wish I didn't open mine before now, and then I could have done it there, <laughs> and it would have been perfect. LaCroix, hit me Alex, up if you love yeah. Jesus. Can you, can you mean... edit mine from earlier out and put it just right? <laughs> yeah. LaCroix, that's that plain sight underscore pod. Uh, Plains Guide underscore pod for the invoice. Thank you. Yeah, that's really um, good. Thank you. Yeah, that's really good. And so to wrap up just kind of just the basics of this, we can a lot of times tell what a song means to us just by a lyric. Sure. Um, so what is that gut punch line when you heard it the first time or maybe it was the seventh time, like the line that just really gets you? We'll start with Zach. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about belief this time because I talked about waiting last time. Um, Do it. The one that I always really like that I kind of missed, kind of like you were saying, um, is the end of the second verse when he's going into that, oh, everyone believes. Um, just after that, he talks about, I think he really hits at the theme of this song and, and waiting. Um, it's, oh, everyone believes from emptiness to everything. Everyone wow. believes and no one's going quietly. And I think that hits so well at the heart of what he's writing about and what we're talking about, like why we bring it up for this podcast is that I think we're all constantly like we have this thing that we're striving for and that we're pushing for. Um, and it's it's this desire to go from the emptiness that we exist in as the status quo to something more than that. Um, and yeah. I think that's such this universal idea that is ingrained in us because it originates with like the fall of man. It originates when we were first separated from God that, that we are now empty and there is something that we can't fill no matter how hard we try. And I think that's what he's getting at. And I think we kind of talked about this before. He just doesn't know that that's what he's getting at. Low key, Zach, you're kind of preaching. <laughs> like this is the second time already yeah. We haven't even got to the preachy part of the pie. Yeah, we're I'm like just. <laughs> I'm feeling good tonight. I'm, I told you we're feeling the spirit. This he read his up. Bible twice today, <laughs> all the way, top to bottom, front to front to back. <laughs> I'm really this fast. is getting to him. Um. <laughs> so the line for me is very simple in waiting, and it's it's hard to beat the system when you're standing at a distance and I won't go too deep um, until we get there. But this thought that especially when you're young, 
you have, are so passionate and have all these changes you want to make, but you just can't really get your foot in the door and you're just waiting for some action, um, waiting for something to happen and you'll follow suit. Um, and it's really this, not this inadvertent, but kind of just nudge like, hey, we have to do something if anything's ever going to get done. Um, so that's probably the line that really hits me the most, especially as someone who's young and has dreams and goals and passions and wants to make a change. Um, it's really convicting for me. Cam, go, ready, set, Cam. Yeah, so, so mine comes from belief, and it, it's been one of my favorite lyrics for a really long time, but I didn't know why until recently. I think when you, when you look at belief, sometimes you think that it is pro-belief. Yeah. But actually, the whole song is John saying, belief is not enough. Yeah. Um, and so it's one of the last lines. It says, what puts 100,000 children in the sand? Belief can. Belief can. What puts, what puts a folded flag inside his mother's hands? Belief can. Belief can. Heavy. Um, and that always hit because, I mean, obviously, like, we know what he's referring to. That he's talking about war. Both of these songs are very anti-war. Um, yeah. And, and so... This song is very much saying belief is, is not enough, and I think that's the epitome of that. I didn't always know why that hit. I mean, I knew what he was talking about, but kind of hearing John talk about this, and, and this is where I'll talk a little bit just about the themes of just of these, um, of these songs. They're both very kind of a, a lover's anti-war song. Right, so we all we all know the phrase, um, you know, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Yeah, this is if a pacifist wrote a song about. This is if Bob Dylan was a pacifist, right? Like Bob Dylan historically writes these anti-war songs. This is this is that, and so it's you know, we look at waiting on the world to change, and if you if you take these these songs and put them together, I know they were written together. They actually kind of contradict each other in ways. Waiting yeah. on the world to change is saying. Um, you know, his, his purpose behind writing this song was, uh, if you tell people what to do, they're not going to do it. Yeah. He said, you need to instead present them with an idea. Yeah. Um, he said, uh, a song needs to present an idea at its core and, and, and give people an opportunity. You don't force people into action because then they're not going to do it. If he came out and said, um... You know, we all need to go change the world right now. It's our time. Then mm -hmm. people would be like inspired on the outside, but like internally they wouldn't. Yeah. Because it would be an emotional stimulation. And you know, we can we can point Alex. We've had this conversation multiple times. How many people go to a church because it it stimulates their senses of oh the worship was good and the pastor was energetic. Yeah, charismatic. Yeah. That's that's what John's talking about. He's saying if if I were to come at you and say. And, and try to inspire you with a song, then you'd be inspired during the song, but nothing would change inside of you. Yeah. Right. And so I think, really... I think um, it, you, can, you can find that in the beginning of the second verse of Belief, where he says, Belief is a beautiful armor, but it makes for the heaviest sword. Um, and I think it works here, and it works you know, in, in kind of what we're talking about in the church, that this belief is really something that's really easy to like clothe yourself in and hide behind. Where you can get to like, well, I know who I am and it's sort of holier than thou. Like, yeah. I know the faith that I have. But just having that belief doesn't get out anywhere. It doesn't affect anything. It's, it's a sword that's too heavy to swing. You know, it, it, the, the New Testament talks about how faith without works is dead. Um, and yeah. we can get so wrapped up in this belief and internalizing it and then not having anything to, to put out there that it becomes pointless it becomes useless you know the the bible also tells us that even the demons believe in god that doesn't mean yeah. they're saved you know i think That's... i think it's what he's getting at here is that if you get so wrapped up in what ideas you have what your thing is you miss out on actually doing anything with it right man and so when you talk about leadership um in the church in your organizations in your workplaces in your homes um, there's something you can be really good. Like cancer, you can be just a really, like have a ton of charisma, a real charismatic speaker, and you can be a good looking guy, good looking gal, 
and um, you can really get people riled up. But what does it take to instill something in someone's heart and present them with something that's worth working towards, not just right now and getting exciting about, but worth working towards tomorrow? Right. What's worth, what's something that is going to make someone reconsider their actions on a Thursday afternoon? Right. You know, what do we do that is not just a, hey, get excited, this is what's happening, this is what we need to do, but a real conviction of a way of life, a life change, um, a point of view. Um, And that's important because it's so easy, right? When you talk about public speaking and you talk about um, just uh, pep talks, to give the football, hey, we're going to go get up, and I'm going to scream at you and I'm going to cry and we're going to go run through a wall in these next three hours. We're going to go crazy. Um, right. But then that wears off. Um, how do we do something that instills heart change, something in the heart that makes you think, wow, this is something that needs to happen today, tomorrow, on the 27th, um, on Thursday, on Saturday morning, all that. Um, and this song does do a really good job of like you said, not just telling someone what they need to do, but presenting them with reasons why. Presenting right. them with the problem and saying, now what's our solution? Let's make one. Yeah, I mean, I think um, if I were to, to connect this to um, a Bible verse, I, I would actually connect this one to James one nineteen. He says, everybody okay. needs to be slow to listen, quick to, or yeah, slow to listen, slow to speak. You almost quick, got it. I believe in you. Quick to listen, slow to speak, <laughs> slow to There's anger. Absolutely, no way. I am editing that out. That's <laughs> no, no. Keep that. The but Bible no. talks about um, having senses and running fast. I think that's what it <laughs> right. is. Right. But uh, it, it's this idea of like we all might be passionate about about generating change, and and it, what we need to do with it. Is, is kind of where he says, one day our generation is going to rule the population. Yeah. And we need to be in a place where when that time comes, we're ready. Like one day, and there's all these like generational battles between all the different generations. And it's basically like millennials, Gen Z sometimes get grouped together as just the younger generation and, and, and all this. And so I think we can really take this and say like at, at some point our generation is, is going to be in charge are we going to be ready when the time comes or are we just going to be acting on emotion or will the change that we want be internalized and yeah. something that is truly coming out of our nature? Mm-hmm. I think that's important. But wow. um, to kind of take that into to belief, it kind of says a similar idea, but in such a different way. And, and Zach, you hit it on the head. Actually, the verse that I was connecting this to was uh, James 2.19. It says that you believe that God is one you do well, uh, even the demons believe, and they shudder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and we see John talk about this um, a lot, and he's saying belief is not enough. Um, I, I think what, what he's saying in the song um, is everyone believes. Everyone believes something. And, and so it's, he says it's futile to believe that you can replace one belief with another. Like, I'm not going to walk up to somebody who doesn't believe in God and just say, hey, you should believe this, and then say, I, like, cool, yeah, we're good. <laughs> Problem solved. No, yeah. no, that change has to be internal. It's also, and for me, I don't know how I didn't bring this up earlier, it shows the importance of discipleship. 100%. Um, I can have a conversation with you and we can talk about the gospel and we can talk about what it means to live for Christ. But if I don't ever follow up, if I'm not having coffee with you, if I'm not calling you, if I'm not checking in on you, if I'm not giving you more resources, then it's so easy for me to have that talk. You be inspired me feel like I did my job and cool. It's on to the next one. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's this fight in the church and it's, so weird between discipleship and evangelism, basically. And it's, do I make my church all about spreading the gospel or do we make our church about discipleship? So, for example, 
Are we a church that cares about outreach and having a really good service so that new people will come? And, or are we a church that is very passionate about our small groups or having classes and giving really deep theological sermons that maybe the new believer or someone that knows nothing about Christ won't know, but it's going to really benefit our church that's all believers. And the truth of the matter is you don't have to pick one. Right. Right. And so there's this thought of and kind of brings me into something that I've been wanting to talk about. It's just kind of like that thoughts and prayers culture of it's so easy for us to feel like we did our job um, with saying a quick prayer or having a quick conversation. Um, But and like you said, we can't just be presented with the how to, but the why. And these songs get so deep into the why. Um, and not the, especially with belief, like when I talk to someone who does not accept the gospel about the gospel, I can never go at it from everything you've ever believed is a lie. Here's why. But I have to understand yeah. the longing that I know every human has for this. And yeah. you have to be able to capture that and say, look, this feeling, this longing for God that you have. Here's your here's your source. Right. Here's your here's your direction to it. And when we don't, we become as a church we become very thoughts and prayers like cool, I'm going to pray for this and then get looked at as a church as if we just stand on our knees, stand on our knees, what? And <laughs> pray and then go home and think we did our job. And to be honest, a lot of us feel that way. But in the Bible, prayer never came without action. So there's this weird thing where prayer is ridiculously important. Um, And it's something I've really been focusing on lately when it comes to the pandemic and talking about Jehoshaphat and Second Chronicles. And the first thing he did when he heard about the Moabites and the Ammonites coming against him is he was terrified and he called all of Judah to come pray. But also they went immediately from prayer into What's our action? Our first thought, and so to double back on that and to give my argument for prayer, is that a lot of times our first instinct, and this is why we get so disheartened and this is why things like this happen, is we see a problem and we go into problem fixer mode. How can I fix this? What do I need to do? And then you pray about it. But instead, you should have a problem. Jehoshaphat was told that these armies were coming for him and he had absolutely nothing he could do. And the first thing he did was pray. And then from there went to action. Prayer never comes without action, but action should always come after prayer. Right. I think prayer guides our action and and that's what we forget sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to sort of, you know, pull this back into the songs we're talking about in, in belief that opening lyric is, is, is there ev- anyone who ever remembers changing their minds from the pain on a sign? Yep, is there anyone exactly. who really recalls breaking rank um, for, from someone who yelled real loud one time? Um, and I think it's that idea of like... It's so it's, satirical. Right. I love it. Right. And I think it, it hits on that idea of like, well, if something Satire. happens once, it's like yelling into the void. And somebody yeah, might right. hear it, but it doesn't do anything. It just kind of in one ear, out the other. It just kind of will bounce off of you. Um, and it kind of hits on a thought that this song gave me about discipleship in that, you know, I think we, we've talked about before passion and passion being sort of misdirected. Um, yeah. But I think one of the things we haven't really talked about is is how to direct it. Um, and I know we've all talked about you know, amongst ourselves and personally, like we all have these things that, that really are meaningful to us. For me, like, uh, worship leading is, is something that I really am, am passionate about and the way that worship reaches a congregation and the way that worship reaches, reaches a group of people. Um, but I can sit in my room and like learn to play enough guitar to lead a worship service and I can sing and, and that doesn't necessarily make me a worship leader. Yeah. And I can like try really hard to feel the spirit in the room, but that also doesn't make me a worship leader. What makes me a worship leader is sitting down and learning from other people who exist in that space. And I've been really lucky to have people in my family and people that I've worked with in, in church band settings 
that have really helped me understand what it takes to not only stand up and play music, but to be a worship leader in that setting. But the alternative is just me getting really passionate about something and getting really riled up about it and then not having anything to do with it. Just having this like intensity, but not knowing how to actually get it out and make it useful, you know? No, I'll text you later, Zach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, that's a really good point. Go, Cam. No, I, I think that's I think that's really good. And I mean, I remember having a, a conversation with a when I was running sound at a church with a um, a teenager who was like I could tell was really struggling because she could hit the notes, but she wasn't, and it was really upsetting her. And it was just this conversation of saying like, "You're not a, a music leader, like you're a worship leader." Mm. And, and one is external. One is like a shell. Like yeah. music, music is the shell of the worship. And, and once you get to the worship, like that's genuine. Like that's what it's about. And so I think that's kind of where Mayer's at with this of like belief in and of itself is, he's like, cool, man. Like you believe something. We all believe something. But like no one is going to change what they believe until it's internal. And so when you're just fighting with this, this sort of belief and just hitting each other over and over, you're not going to change what they believe. And, and I think this is why, you know, when, when we try to disciple others, when, when we're trying to witness to people, the best strategy is, is relationships. And it's, it's loving each other in a way where when we have conversations, it's, it's internal. It's not you know, street corner preachers yelling at each other saying like, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. Cause, cause that's, that's fighting underwater in this instance. You're not going to hit what, what matters, the internal side. You're going to hit pieces of them that, that shatter the image of Christianity. Yeah. And that's not what you were trying to hit, but it's what you did. Um, Street Corner Preacher is a fantastic song by Amos Lee. Please go I listen to that. I <laughs> literally just Googled those lyrics when I was thinking oh about this. Gosh. I was like, man, does that tie in here? Man, so good. Does it? Um, <laughs> so here's the thing. We've been talking a little bit about belief, and I'm going to pull us into the silly zone, okay? I'm going to drag oh us there. I've got two hot oh takes. Boy. Um, would you guys want the waiting hot take or the belief hot take first? Give me waiting. Yeah, let's let's wait. Well, uh, Waiting on the World to Change is the worst song on this album. Oof. It's the it's, song that it, it was all of our introductions and we all love it. And it's the worst song on this album. And I would implore you to tell me I'm wrong. Can I give you a John Mayer quote about this? Yeah. Go. Oh boy. He was asked by Bobby Bones. Uh, if He said, what song are you tired of playing? And he said, Waiting on the World to Change. Um. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say, everybody at the Bobby Bones show guessed that, but they guessed it because it was his most popular. He actually says it's his least favorite to play because when he had vocal surgery, it cut off a few notes, and he yep. used those notes to sing Waiting on the World to Change. It's definitely um, his most like vocally challenging song. It 100%. really is. It's up there. But, so, John Mayer is a little bit on your side, Alex, but I don't think he's there for the reason that you're saying this. I'm sure he would also agree that him playing just a four chord, same chords the entire song. I just he did not expect this song to blow up. Yeah, he's like, I don't know what made this song big. He he basically wrote a worship song. One four five. Here we go. (laughs) It's not one four five, but you get the idea. He could even he could capo it into G, and it would be a Chris Tomlin joint. This is honestly, it's still better than any Chris Tomlin song. Oh, this is the most. Oh, don't get me started. Don't get my mom started about God's great dance floor. She comes to God's dance floor and yells about it. Your mom and I need to talk about God's great dance floor because we would really bond. Like I cannot stand that song. She's not a fan. Um, Our next series is just every verse of God's great dance floor. (laughs) It hurts to call anything on this album the worst, right? Yeah, I know it's bold, but it's. I think it's the truth. But I also, I also don't think it's the truth. Okay, because I like it. I. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the track listing right now, and it it hurts me to call any of these the worst song, but I think if you're gonna have to pick one, I think for me it's I don't trust myself. I just it's kind. I disagree with that one. It's just kind of it doesn't do it for me. That song is so do good anything though. For me. It doesn't. It doesn't. I think it's kind of boring. 
I will give you, I think it might be a little bit of great value slow dancing, but that yeah. doesn't mean it's not good. I've got the better yeah, version of it. Slow dancing is the greatest song. So I like know, even great value slow dancing is still better than most everyone that's else's like, songs. That's like calling Kobe great value MJ. He's still a top 10 guy all time. Right. Mm. Yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> we, we record yeah. these very far in the past. Not that far. R.I.P. Kobe. Um, <laughs> and so second hot take yeah what's your other one let's hear this i'm trying to figure out how to really do this because i need to give it credit because belief is such an odd song for me because i find it so boring musically but also think it's his best guitar solos in maybe mm. any of his songs so it's it's odd for me if you take the guitar solos out this song does absolutely nothing for me musically and they are so good that because of them <laughs> It brings it up. So my hot take is this is a top three song lyrically on this record and a bottom three song musically on this record. Interesting. I, I get behind that. that. Because this is John Mayer's musical peak. Like this yeah. album. Yeah, and it so, is. yeah, like it, it not being top three. Like this is where he really introduced like the slap and flick and like different like methods oh. and things. Mm, the slap and where, flick. We're like... I, I really can't – although the top three lyrically, I'd say top three lyrically of any Mayer song. Yeah, no, no, that's mm-hmm. very that's very factual. I feel like we should also mention that slap and flick is a guitar playing technique and don't, don't ask any other questions about it. And so <laughs> moving on, we're going to go to – the, our favorite podcast oh game show segment. And today's yeah, I said game it. is I can't all take about it back the now. slap and flick. <laughs> Here we go. No, that's the, that's the Stop This Trade pod. Lappery <laughs> with Zachary. Zachary, take it away. Okay. Uh, this, today's game has nothing to do with the slap and flick. Fortunately, we can stop Thank saying it Lord. after this moment. Um, that is good. You know that segment we just had where we talked about stuff that's a stretch? Um, yeah. This is also a stretch in that it, it took me a long walk to get from the two songs we're talking about to this game. Zach, um, you didn't get to walk anywhere. You're stuck in your house. Well, I w- w- paced my room while I was trying to figure it out. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so this game is called How Has the World Changed? <laughs> oh, yes. yes. It, took me, it took me work Gosh. to find a way to write a game about this. So this is <laughs> this is a... Standard trivia game, you're going to get a multiple choice trivia question about some of what I find to be the silliest events in history. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I promise you this all of good. these are real. I'll give you a little bit of context, um, and then you'll get a three option multiple choice question. Um, I do have a tiebreaker question. Um, you each get wow. three before the tiebreaker, so if we have a best of three before the tiebreaker, uh, that's who wins. Um, and to decide who goes first, um, I actually have with me um, the original duo from Drake and Josh. I have Drake Bell and Josh Peck here. Um, Whoa! And um, they're I gonna is Megan there? Be so no, Megan is not here. Maybe she'll be here next time. Um, but Carly is. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, real quick, they're gonna undergo a competition, but I need one of you to pick one as your representative. Go, Josh. Uh, Gosh. Okay. <laughs> Mainly because I know you wanted it. him really bad. Josh, I identify with Josh so hard. Josh, you're on Cam's team, and uh, Drake, you're for Alex. Now, now, what? Except doing? I never got skinny. Well, no, this is the real guy. This is Josh Peck. He's here in I my say, house. Okay. This is post Red Dawn, Josh Peck. This oh. is this is a PG show. Please put your boobs away. <laughs> That was that was horrible. <laughs> so what they're gonna do is they're actually about to undergo a pull up competition. Um, whoever can do more pull ups no! is gonna Wait. be the winner. Uh, I got does, Drake. Uh, have you seen Josh no, this, recently? This is current Josh Peck, but um, no. I'm looking at both of them and I think they're both pretty capable. Uh, uh, yeah, guys, you ready? Yeah, go ahead and and go. Okay, um, this is they're doing pretty well. Uh, Drake, uh, it looks like he, he might have an early advantage because he's, he's a little go, guy. Go, go, he's go, lean. Go, go. Oh, oh, it, it's getting close. I, I can see him. Josh happening. is pacing The arms himself. are shaking. Unfortunately, Cam, Josh's arms just gave out on him. So, uh, Alex, you get to go first in this game. He was so oh, good thank you to Drake Bell and Josh Peck. I'll see you guys uh, some other time. What if after that whole bit, like, one of them actually appeared next to me and you heard one of their voices and it turned out they were here the whole time? With Kawhi Leonard. 
Yeah, and Kawhi is also Maybe here. Maybe because we know Josh would actually win that, so I don't think that's going to happen. Hey, hey Drake's a muscular okay. guy, man. And he's he's slender. That's mm, the thing. Josh! Well, Josh is a little more muscular. Josh is Listen, let's get, let's get... challenge. That's the point. No, you got to be light so that you can continue to lift. Anyway, you want less continue. weight. Yeah, Start let's get out change. of let's get out of talking about the uh, physiques of former Nickelodeon stars. Alex, yes. question number 1. Bring it. In the year 1324 in England. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shoemakers guilds went to the king and said that they needed a standard for measuring shoe sizes because it was driving up prices in competition not having a set measurement. So what did the king declare would be the official uh, unit of measurement for shoe sizes? Was it A, corn, B, horse hooves, or C, swords? How were shoe sizes measured in 1324 England? There's absolutely no way it was corn. It was horse hooves. I'm so glad that you said that it wasn't corn because actually it was. <laughs> and it's why they don't still do that because they realized corns can be different sizes. <laughs> okay, okay, but here's, here's my thing. I was imagining one tiny kernel of corn. <laughs> and as I was saying it can't be corn, I realized that corn is a very long thing that actually would probably work very well for shoe sizes. Yeah, they um, the general size was about an ear of corn, and then they would base yeah. it off of that, but then they realized an ear of corn is not a uniform size, so there's no way to actually uh, police wow. that. Yeah, so, uh, Cam, you've got a chance to take a first-round lead. I can't mm. wait. I In the year 1938, mm-hmm. a... A widespread radio play convinced the United States population that something incredible had happened. Was it A, successful human cloning, B, the discovery of Atlantis, or C, an alien attack? Human cloning. I'm sorry, it's actually C. This was H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. When it was first broadcast as a radio play, people were convinced that aliens had invaded the United States. I knew that one. Well, unfortunately, well, you didn't you, unfortunately, to. Drake did too many pull-ups, so you had to Gosh, go first. Drake. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Alex, we're back to you. And the score, uh, let me just check my notes real quick. Zero, zero. This is going really well. Hey, Zach. Yay. Screw you. Let hey. me check my notes. <laughs> does, is, does it say that? It will in about three seconds. Okay, cool. Let me take a sip of my refreshing LaCroix while you go. Is this like a thing where if we say it enough times that we're hoping they'll just have to sponsor us? Is that how it works? My plan is to pick a new sponsor every podcast. Okay, cool. So, Alex, round two. Yeah. On April 1st, 1957, the BBC released a broadcast showing how a food that the audience was unfamiliar with was created. Um, And it took a number of days for people to realize they were watching the news on April Fool's Day and this wasn't actually real. What when was did that April food? Apparently, before 1957. <laughs> That's wow. all I know. It's an older holiday than I thought. So, what was that food, and where did they convince people it came from? Was it A. Spaghetti grows on trees, B. Tortillas grow on bushes, or C. Dumplings are a root vegetable? Okay. I, this is tough because it's the BBC, so dumplings are definitely the favorite if I was thinking, but that also just sounds too obvious. It's definitely not tortillas. Um, so it's between spaghetti on trees, dumplings are the root vegetable, and dumplings as a root vegetable is way more convincing. I'm going to take that. I'm sorry, the actor is actually spaghetti growing on trees. Gosh, after I told you it wasn't going to be dumplings and talked myself You did. You talked yourself it. back so into it. I this. thought you had it that time, but there are yeah. images from the BBC of uh, people harvesting what is uh, called uh, ready and ripe spaghetti from spaghetti trees. Um, and for most of a day, people were briefly convinced that spaghetti was something that grew on trees. Okay, Gosh. Cam. Okay. We're all knotted up here in the second round. Can't At wait. zero zero, I'm ready. Cam, this is recent history. In 2013, Ooh. a London building called the Walkie Talkie mm. was under construction and caused issues. Were those issues a turning on streetlights and confusing birds due to shadows cast during the day? 
B, melting cars by reflecting sunlight, or C, interrupting satellite signals to the surrounding area due to electrical interference. So our theory tonight when playing Bezer Wizard was if we didn't know, pick the answer that sounded the coolest. Okay. And in this case, I think it's, it's not my guess. I think B sounds the coolest. Okay. But I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with C. This is incredible because the correct answer is B, the building melting ah, cars by reflecting sunlight. Coolest. Um, and there was actually a Jaguar parked at, out in front of the building that fully <sighs> lost both of its side view mirrors uh, because they melted off during the day. Um, and since then, the parking spaces on the street in front of that building have been closed. Quick plug, go back a couple weeks and listen to our redeemability uh, snake draft on Tiger King. Yeah, there you go. Big cat plug. There you go. Boom, boom. All right. Fellas, we're down to the last two regular round questions, so I'm hoping one of you can get something going here. Yeah, I Alex, wouldn't put a lot of money on that. Okay. In, in 1374 Germany. Why do I get the 1300s? <laughs> you got 1957. The answer is bratwurst. Uh, well, it's not, but <laughs> I'll Fine. give you that Hamburger. one for free. In 1374 in Germany, there was a mysterious plague that caused people to do what until they died. Was it A, lie uncontrollably, B, dance uncontrollably, or C, laugh uncontrollably? Ooh, laugh uncontrollably. The answer is B, dance uncontrollably. A <laughs> plague that swept through a couple of German towns caused people to dance, they called it dancing mania, and people would dance until they literally dropped dead in the middle of town. Um, one town you think reported. That's what happened one to town, town specifically reported thirty-three deaths that of people just dancing until they died. People think maybe it was actually a skin disease that caused muscle spasms, but it's been called the dancing mania, and no one ever really got an answer for it. Um, it mostly died out completely in the fifteen hundreds. Okay, Cam. For the last question of the game, theoretically, if you can get this right. Ugh. This is so bad. <laughs> An Australian military conflict in 1932 was fought against what? Was it the Australian military versus A, kangaroos, B, snakes, or C, emus? That's what you get. It has to be emus. It Read it again. Emus. Read it again. I want it to be emus. Read me the whole question again. There was... <laughs> An Australian military conflict took place in 1938. Which piece of Australian wildlife was it fought against? A, kangaroos, B, snakes, or C, emus? For the brand, I have to go emus. Emus, baby, I hope he wins on this. That is correct. The Australian oh, military fought, yes! and my favorite point of this, lost a battle against an <laughs> emu population. And that's um, why we're using them for a moving company. E-moving. Check it out on Twitter. <laughs> That'll be next week's sponsor. The The battle was officially declared a decisive emu victory. <laughs> so, wow. with the only point of the regular rounds of the game, Cam, you win this week's episode. Um, do you want to hear the bonus point question? Just because I think it's fun. I do. I yes. do. In 1895, uh -huh. there were only two vehicles on the road of this state and they crashed into each other. What state was it? A, I know Ohio, B, Illinois, or C, California? Illinois. It's actually Ohio. Dang. The I only that, two cars in the state of Ohio. So I, I've so heard good. that before. I remember it being one of the pointless states. Yes. <laughs> good thing this podcast isn't very big, so we don't probably have anyone listening in Ohio. And that's how LeBron was born. Mm, that's, ooh, good point. In what year? This is the Big Bang of 1895 um, in Ohio. Yeah, LeBron was not born in 1895. <laughs> the Big Bang that of 1895. Yeah, the only two cars on the road in Ohio crashed into each other. <laughs> of course they did. Can we confirm that those were literally the only two cars on the road in Ohio? I mean, I've confirmed it as best I can by finding this fact on the internet and putting it in this game. All right, checks out. And with that, Cam is our official uh, victor of this week's game. I don't have any prize for you, just the satisfaction of knowing that you did a good job. Uh, there's a lot and of that. that is your favorite game <laughs> show 
podcast game show, game show podcast, podcast game show segment. Oh boy. Laffery with Zachary. Zachary, two thank podcasts, you very much. Two game show. And here's back the thing. to our lost tapes. <laughs> so that was the silly zone. And we're going to transition out just a little bit. Every time at the end of these podcasts, we want to give you one point at least that you can take home. It's applicable. What can you do right now, today, tomorrow to take home and be better? guys do you have anything yeah i think um for me the the biggest thing to pull from from these songs is just uh not letting your passion uh be pointless yeah um not letting your belief get so uh internalized and not letting it own you and not go anywhere with it um and and if that for a lot of us that means finding a mentor that's that's uh going to support you and and help you understand how to move forward um and i think you know in a tactile manner it just means you know reaching out you talked about earlier just not uh losing track of connections you've made not um not feeling like you've gotten your mission accomplished by saying one prayer having one cup of coffee with somebody um but really uh trying to connect and 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 trying to keep up that connection yeah, I, I think mine would be pretty simply connected to that. Um, invest in your relationships. Um, I, I think if if belief has anything to say, it's that internal change as as Christians is going to come from from us caring deeply about the people we're connected to. And if I want to lead somebody else to Christ, it's not going to be by me Bible thumping them until they get there. That's pointless. But instead, it's going to be me actually caring about them, investing in them, um, and, and trying to get to the, the internal side of our differences and, and, and showing them who Christ is through love instead of through war, through fighting other religions and, and having pointless battles. That's really good. Guys, um, uh, Zach stole my point, so I want you to imagine what Zach <laughs> said, but better. And that's how we're going to close this out. Wow. Alex, Alex that was, was a really good, good job. Point. Thank you. Did you did so, so good with that. Why did I'm I even crying. talk before? Will you just edit out what I said before and just keep My your gosh. thing instead? I wonder if I could like do some weird like voice thing to where I took the exact words you said but made it my voice. <laughs> you can't. It would sound like a serial killer's, uh, <laughs> like how they cut out magazine words and so they can't get handwriting. That's what it would it'd be the audio version of that. This conversation is about to make so much sense for everybody. I've so been like, trying to decipher what just happened. If the serial the killer had a podcast. If a serial if, killer had a podcast. And that's how they contacted their victims. If the serial had a podcast about Jesus and using mentors to get where you need. Um, yeah, so this is the Plain Sight Podcast. We really appreciate you guys hanging out. Uh, we're getting to the end of our road. We're starting to record all these. We want to hear your insights as to... Uh, what you guys want to hear about next, uh, what you want us to write about, what you want us to pod about. Um, I'm going to be doing a 17-part bonus pod uh, all about country music, so that'll be coming real soon. Oh, um, <laughs> and it's actually specifically about how, how country music is of the devil, correct? Mm-mm, no, how it's the most wholesome when done right. So <laughs> this we is go, plain We sight. can talk about this a long time, I think. <laughs> I'm really glad you guys are here. Thanks for hanging out with us. We love you. We'll see you next week. Peace out. Wash your hands. Girl Scout. Mm.